Hello, Georgia. Hello, Metro Augusta. And hello, wherever you are. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the June 21st edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. If you have not already, please follow the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia on Facebook. And of course, we ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well so that you receive notifications when we drop new videos. Today, we have a a distinguished guest who is an elected official, but I'm going to let him introduce himself later on. Uh, We're going to get started by talking about what just took place in our community, and that is the celebration of Juneteenth. As you know, over the last couple of years, Juneteenth has become a federal holiday, and we have taken that time to celebrate being in parades, festivals, artistic events, and things of that nature, which are there and designed to celebrate African-American history and culture. Um, But you also may remember that last year on Juneteenth, I did an episode about whether or not we should really be celebrating. And after listening to a YouTube video, an interview with uh, Roland Martin um, that you can go look up on YouTube yourself, where he talked about the real meaning of Juneteenth and how we should look at that as an opportunity to build wealth among the African-American community. I really you know, don't have a whole lot of control over it other than my being able to express my opinions here on this platform. But I really do think that that's something we need to think about. Is Juneteenth a time to celebrate or is it a time to reflect on what we need to do in order to become more uh, productive, more sustainable and gain more economic wealth for individuals in our community? As I was thinking through this, I looked up a stat and I just just wanted to get to this. I just looked at public housing, for instance. We as African-Americans comprise 12% of the U.S. population, but we're 45% of all residents in public housing. And of course, public housing is designed for those who are at the lowest rung of the economic ladder. So when you think about things like this, that makes you think, what could we be doing differently and how could we better channel our resources so that we can change those types of conditions? And those are the types of things that I would like us to think about every Juneteenth. Local Matters family, today we have a treat, and that is a county commissioner, Chatham County Commissioner, who is joining me from Savannah, Georgia. How are you doing today? I'm all right. I appreciate you having me on. It is a pleasure and an honor, but I am doing well. Well, great, great. Thanks for wanting to be on Um, here on Local Matters. It is our purpose to help people become more engaged citizens and more confident voters. So we try to help people with the issues, uh, have a better understanding of the issue so that they are more prepared to vote and they have a better understanding of what's going on. So it is a treat to have someone from out of the area. Um, This is Commissioner Aaron Whiteley from Chatham County. And before we get started with 
any part of you know the meat of why we're going to be here because we're going to talk about economic development and some other things. The first thing I want you to talk about is your background. Could you sort of trace the arc of your career for us? Yeah. So um, I was born in New York, raised uh, the first portion of my life in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I moved to Augusta, Georgia uh, in 96 and started middle school. I uh, went to Lankford Middle School. Um, and that was an interesting experience because I had moved from living in New Mexico, where I was one of nine black kids in an elementary school, uh, to a totally different culture. Uh, and so that was interesting for me. I, I ended up being a, a kid who was bullied <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, then went to Richmond Academy for my freshman year uh, of high school. And then well, my mother was divorced and we ended up moving out to uptown Augusta, Georgia. So I ended up going to Cross Creek High School and that's where I uh, graduated high school from. Um, left Cross Creek and came to Savannah, Georgia on a track and field scholarship uh, and just met my wife down here. Ended up having some kids. And now I have been married for 14 years you know, with three beautiful children. And uh, we had the opportunity um, to, I, I had the opportunity to serve in the military and I did. I served as a combat medic, um, went to Afghanistan with 2nd Battalion, 5th Infantry Regiment as part of a uh, 3rd uh, Brigade, 1st Armored Division. Um, so spent um, 11 months in Afghanistan on a combat mission that was very um, eye-opening and, you know, having survived some of the challenges I, I survived in growing up uh, as well as surviving war, um, you know, I got to a point when I got out of the army, I felt like, you know, I have this overwhelming sense to serve. And so um, that's what really got me into government and politics. So um i got back when i got out of the army in 2014 i worked in the community coached i did a lot of mentoring and things of that nature and when the opportunity arose uh i actually put my hat in the ring for a county commissioner and was able to win um, so i am the youngest commissioner on my board now i'm 38 years old and here I'm in the middle of my first term, so I'm in the third year of my first term. We have four-year terms, and it's been a, an amazing ride, and I look forward to continuing to serve the citizens of Chatham County. Okay, so tell me, what's harder, um, being uh, in Afghanistan or serving on the county commission? I'd say serving on the county commission, <laughs> and not to minimize. Somehow I knew that what, was going to uh, be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not to minimize, you know, what my brothers and sisters in arms go through. It's just that uh, in the military, the mission is is clear cut, it's defined, um, and it's very um, objective. You know, there's there's rules, there's guidance, and this is what we do. Whereas when it comes to the commission, you know, there are a lot more. The lines aren't as clearly defined. Uh, so how you operate in that space, um, it can be, you know, the end of your political career if you don't um, play your cards right, 
uh, for me, it's not about a political career. It's about making sure that we're doing what we're what we need to do for the community and moving the community forward. But even then, you know, um, understanding that uh, sometimes the decisions that you make um, aren't going to be widely accepted by the community, especially if they're not abreast of what's going on. And so I want to take a moment, uh, Ms. Jackson, to, to thank you for what you're doing and helping to get our uh, community involved in the political process and, and just in local matters in general, no pun intended, because um, what we do on a government level, it is it can be complex, but the more you pay attention, it's easier to understand. But nonetheless, because it's so complex, it causes a lot more strife um, and helping people understand. And that's the difficult part of being on the commission. Okay. Okay. You hit on some great points there. And um, that's exactly why we do local matters because there's so much people don't understand and the dynamics of, you know, what happens and why it happens and what the rules of the game are. Um, and like you said, with uh, military, the mission is clear. In, in politics, the mission meanders probably from day to day and sometimes mm -hmm. the moment. Uh, and that makes it that much more difficult to try to get some some things done. Um, but um, I guess I have to ask you, what was the biggest surprise after you served for a while? And, you know, was there anything where you sat there and go, gosh, I wish I had known that before I chose to run for office? Um, I think... Uh... If I if I had to put it in those terms, you know, something that I would I wish I would have known prior to running, um, I would say it was just how much time it takes to be an effective commissioner. You know, um, I mean, I I had worked prior to serving on the commission. I served as the chief of staff for a county commissioner, so I had some idea of what the job entailed, right? But I did not realize that the level of service and the and the quality of representation that I want to give my district, I didn't realize how much time it took. Um, you know, you've got the meetings, your commission meetings, uh, but then you've got meetings with staff before then. You've got meetings with uh, community stakeholders on a consistent basis. Everybody, you know, wants a piece of your time for somewhere for some reason or another. And you want to make sure that you're hearing different perspectives uh, on issues that you may vote on. And so, you know, I take my, my job very seriously. And so, but what that means is, you know, I'm, I'm having lunches all the time or, you know, meeting at my office with constituents or other community stakeholders. And uh, sometimes that takes away from you know, time for myself, time for my family. So I, I wish I would have known the level of the level of time that it was going to take to actually provide the level of servitude that I, I am. Um, so I could have prepared my family differently to to you know to support and, and to understand what I'm doing. Now, I mean, now in my third year, we figured it out. Now. Um, but, you know, that first year and a half was definitely very trying um, because, you know, my, my daughters are like, man, you're always on the phone, dad. And my son's like, man, can you just come shoot the ball without the ball with me without having mm -hmm. your headset in? You know, so yeah. you you uh, 
you know, being able to prepare your family for that is something that I would um, would have appreciated earlier on. Okay. Yeah, and that's an excellent point because I'm sure when you get your meeting packets and things, you want to go through those materials. And like you said, you want to ask staff some questions before you get prepared to vote. So you really know mm -hmm. what's in the best interest of your constituents. And, and you're right, that, that can be very time consuming. Um, yeah. if, if we talk about just some of the things when you ran, what you want to get done, what you see yourself um, getting done, are there any particular goals that you have in mind say, gosh, you know, during my time in the office, I want to make sure that I can do X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've, I've actually been able to have a lot of success on um, some of my, my goals in running. Um, one of my goals was to, um, find ways to engage our youth um, in other means and means other than just sports. You know, when we see government, um, you know, we see parks and recreation, which is an, a, a government function, you know, oftentimes uh, that's the limit of, um, that's the limit of engagement. You know, if it's not something that's going on, if there's not some sort of, program that's taking place at a school, uh, the next best thing is normally going to be um, Parks and Rec having some sort of athletic program. Well, not all kids are athletes and uh, not all kids are interested in athletics. So what are other ways we can engage our youth? And so I took that seriously and have been blessed to and proud to be able to say that um, we created a youth court. Um, and so it is in its pilot stages now And youth court is a court that is for kids by kids. Um, so the pilot that we're doing now is with our local school system. And basically when students have code of conduct violations, um, they, the, there's a certain list of violations that count or qualify for youth court, but in lieu of the punishment that the code of conduct would give, you can take your case to youth court and have it uh, be heard by, again, a judge who's a high school student, uh, the jury or high school students. You'll have a um, advocate, which would be like your defense attorney um, is a high school student. And then you'll have a community advocate, which is the equivalent of a district attorney um, who's a high school student also. And uh, you can Ultimately, they'll they'll come up with a um, a disposition. You know, they'll, they either find you guilty or not guilty, and then if you are found guilty, um, they'll come up with a disposition that we kind of preset oh, some of the options that include um, community service. And from there, if you complete that, then you're good. You won't burn your record. Now, that is something I'm extremely proud of because. When I think about some of my early interactions with the criminal justice system, they weren't positive. Um, and I didn't know uh, a lot of the op opportunities and options there were uh, that relate around or that are related to the criminal justice system. I mean, being a lawyer um, is something to aspire to be. Being a judge uh, is something to aspire to be. But if the only time you engage with it is under negative pretenses, then you may shy away from that field. So that was, I'd probably say, one of the most uh, product, uh, 
achievements that I'm a, that's one of the achievements that I'm most proud of since I've been in office. I think the other thing um, is just finding ways to make it easier to do business. I personally believe that small business is a backbone of our economy, of any local economy. And so we talk about workforce, but we also have to talk about a job development through small business. And that's something that I think transcends uh, cultural bounds. And so I, I feel like that is one of the ways that we can uh, adjust or affect poverty. You know, if we are building business and we have business owners that look like those who are in poverty, then we can slowly but surely change the mindset of those uh, youth who are seeing and the, the generation who is witnessing uh, business leaders who look like them. And so uh, my efforts in small business for my district are, are been wide. You know, I, I highlight a, a business of the week. Uh, weekly um, that falls on my district. Uh, I work with uh, organizations to help them navigate through the different uh, processes. You know, kind of go from there. So right. that would be awesome. the next thing. That's, that's awesome. It's like you are trying to uh, confront some of the toughest issues. One is, you know, youth and making sure that they are engaged in positive activities rather than negative and the whole idea of small business and minority business development is, is key. Um, and as you talk about business, um, if we can segue into just economic development generally and mm -hmm. how uh, you're seeing some of the growth that's currently taking place in Southeast Georgia, which is where Savannah is. Mm -hmm. um, we always hear, pick up the newspaper or magazine every now and then, and I'll see about some, what appear to be some exciting things in Savannah. Can you kind of talk some about those those developments and how they might affect the rest of us in the state of Georgia? Yeah, so um, I think uh, one of the most recent um, and more popular um, pieces of economic development that we've seen down here is uh, the partnership between the state of Georgia um, and then the I-16 uh, Joint Development Authority, which is basically a, a entity created of Chatham County, Effingham County, Bryan County, and Bullock County. Uh, that's who makes up that authority in undertaking the largest economic development investment that the state has ever made. Um, to where Hyundai is putting the their flagship electric vehicle manufacturing plant. So it's in an area of Bryan County, right off of Interstate 16. Uh, for those who head down that way, if you remember the way station right before you get to Savannah, well, behind that area is cleared out now, and they're putting a major uh, state-of-the-art uh, assembly fa uh, factory there. And this is where Hyundai is looking to really um, develop their their branch, uh, their electric vehicle branch. So not only will it be manufacturing, it's my understanding that they'll be um, doing some prototyping and things of that nature here. So that's slated to bring about 8,100 jobs. And, you know, when we hear those numbers, I always, I like to say, okay, well, we hear the 8,100 jobs, but how does that correlate to my neighborhood, my neck of the woods. And so there are efforts to 
make sure that um, local folks are being hired for those jobs. Um, so, but with that, you know, Bullock County is a big part of that. And so there's, you'll, if you go through Statesboro now, you'll see a lot of developments popping up because um, not only is Hyundai coming, but some of their secondary suppliers who feed into their manufacturing are coming also into this region um, so they can be closer to the plant. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, tens of thousands of jobs uh, being available to our region. So I could see potentially some folks commuting from Augusta to Statesboro or maybe a little bit lower from time to time. Um, another thing that's really affecting the ports, and I know uh, some truck drivers up in Augusta who are taking part of in, in this, and that's the expansion of the Georgia port. Uh, Georgia Port Authority has a port here in Savannah or, or Garden City Terminal, and then there's another one in Brunswick. But this one here in Savannah slash Garden City, uh, they're expanding it. I think at this point we have seven uh, ship berths. Uh, so basically we could have seven ships at a time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's either five or seven. Um, but so it's we've expanded our capacity to be able to have more ships in. Um, we also dredged the Savannah River to bring bigger ships in. Uh, so uh, with that being the case, you're seeing a lot of uh, truck drivers affected by this industry because, I mean, there's boxes that have to get on and off of the port uh, because of this uh, commercial shipping traffic. So I think that's something that's really going to have a significant regional impact for our community also. Um, and then I think the other thing would be um, we talked about, I've heard discussions about, you know, whether it be a ferry from Savannah to Augusta and, and back and forth, you know, some sort of a waterway travel to try to connect our cities. You know, I'm, I'm used to the two hour drive, you know, an hour and 50 minutes or so, if you will. Um, but I think there are other ways we can connect our communities. And so as we see the industrial growth take place, I think that we could capitalize on some of the uh, potential tourism, uh, excuse me, opportunities in the tourism industry to connect our cities to make us uh, be a little bit more attractive for regional vis visitors. And, you know, that's a very intriguing idea because I'm sure some of my listeners in local matters land, I, my local ones here in Augusta are thinking, why should you get somebody out from Savannah? But what one is local is universal. That's one of the reasons that I have someone off from Savannah. But also because we're only, you know, two hours apart, two and a half hours apart. There are things that impact um, both of us. And I think this, this regional economic development piece is definitely one. So thanks for calling that to our attention. I know when we start talking about the port, when the, the issue of port expansion came up, there was great concern here in the Augusta area that if that changed the depth of the river, Savannah River here in the Augusta area, that that could have a very negative impact on us. And mm. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was a big thing here in Augusta because they were going to uh, uh, deepen the river, if not mistaken, it was going to lower our pool, basically. Our 
pool would not be as high. So we, instead of looking at a nice, pretty Savannah River and our river walk, um, we might be looking at barren land and some rocks. So I think uh-huh. that the issue has been worked out. I think it has. I'll be honest, I haven't followed it. Um, but those were some of the fears that we had when that conversation took place about expanding the port. So I think what you're right. telling us is that there's some plus, there's an upside to some of the things that are actually taking place, an upside for Augusta, uh, potentially because of right. some of the things that are happening in Savannah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You, I mean, again, truck drivers, I'm sure you've got a lot of them. I know some of them who are coming from Augusta and picking up boxes and, and taking them up that way. Um, so, you know, that that is one way. I never heard about that uh, as it relates to the deepening of the Savannah River up in Augusta, you know, kind of harming it. But I know Augusta is definitely different from Savannah. We're right on the ocean. So, um, you know, it's a we have different a di- different engine, uh, different landscape, if you will, when it comes to that stuff. Okay. Yeah, right. Right. You do. Um, as we've got a few minutes, got another three and a half minutes or so. Um, are there other things that uh, you would like to share uh, with our listeners about your work in Savannah and just the whole for regionalization, you know, we've thought about it as two separate and distinct places, um, but you're right in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, we're not that far apart. So are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience before we close out? Yeah, well, you know, I think um, it's important to note that with when it comes to our government, our government is powered by us as citizens. And so when we as citizens come from a spirit of power uh, and not a spirit of desperation, um, what happens is we can make things happen how we want to see them happen. Now, it's not overnight. It's not a, a quick deal, but you know, I encourage more and more people to get engaged um, because I see that there's some things taking place in Augusta now um, I think the development of downtown um, is one of those things where, you know, uh, the community needs to be a part of that. And if you don't get involved now, all the growth and development will happen without you and without your input. So uh, making sure that you're engaging your elected officials, call them, shoot them emails, talk to them, ask them questions. Uh, you might be surprised. I want to send a shout out to uh, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Commissioner Jordan Johnson, a fellow Cross Creek High School alum. Salute. I'm happy to see Razorbacks doing things in the uh, political space. Um, but going back to your, your point, Ms. Jackson, I think that um, when you see the development taking place, you know, that's making way for other opportunities, right? But if you are not a part of the discussion on the front end, those that development can be detrimental to your community. So uh, I, I want to just make sure that people use Savannah as a a, um, a study case, if you will, because we've seen a lot of development. We've seen a lot of areas that have historically um, served one co- uh, community or portion of our community, and now they're serving a totally different 
uh, portion of our community. And part of that is because uh, some folks weren't paying attention. Um, and the other part is some folks weren't really engaging our, our leadership and not holding our leadership accountable. So I think that if anything, Augusta has so much to offer. I mean, second largest city in the state, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so much to offer and so much growth and opportunity there. And it's just a matter of making sure that folks are staying engaged. And when you do that, uh, then you'll see better outcomes for everybody. Absolutely. Well stated. Thank you so much for being with me today, Commissioner Whiteley. Um, our tradition is whenever you appear once on the show, you become a part of the Local Matters family. So welcome to the family. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. and Look forward to being part of any other discussions that there may be. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Commissioner Aaron Whiteley of Chatham County. Um, he talked about and tied in what I talked about at the very beginning. He talked about the importance of African-American business ownership, small business ownership, women-owned business ownership. And let's tie that back to the comments I made at the very beginning about Juneteenth. Thanks again so much for being a part of the Local Matters family and be blessed. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.